Welcome to Fix the Money. Gael Lasowski here. Got a great episode. Uh, I'm going to talk about Bitcoin in Latin America. We've got Paz Gomez, who's going to come on the program. She is now the vice president at Libra Razón, which is a uh, free market think tank in Ecuador, and uh, also does teach uh, blockchain education at a university in Mexico. We, we talk a little bit about, well, El Salvador, <laughs> how it's gone with uh, the legal tender law. We talk about use of Bitcoin in countries like Argentina, Ecuador, and Colombia, Brazil, and the rest of uh, South America and Central America as well, and then uh, catch up on some of the use cases and what people are using on the ground and uh, whether or not there are practical applications for Bitcoin across Latin America. Hope you enjoy. All right, and we're speaking here with Paz Gomez. Paz, how are things today? Hi, Yael. Nice to be here. And well, everything's fine. I'm happy for being in the program. Perfect. So um, to give a little bit of a background to some of those who are listening, uh, let us know a little bit about you, where you are, stuff that you work on. I know you have many affiliations, you have a lot of experience. So yeah, let us know the, the latest on you. Well, I am from Quito, Ecuador. Uh, well, I am. I have made a master in blockchain and cryptocurrency in the Nicosia University in Cyprus. So, uh, well, I have been in the cryptocurrency world, uh, working and learning about that uh, before 2018. And right now I am professor at the ITAM University in Mexico uh, with an online course on blockchain applications. And I am also coordinating um, the academic part of a think tank, a classic liberal think tank here in Ecuador. Oh, that is beautiful. La libertad por todos. Um, so the course, what are the normal kinds of students who will sign up uh, for this course to learn from you? There is a diversity of students. Uh, the last the last course that I gave, it was a lot of um, computer engineers. So we basically provided them what they don't know. That is the project design part of the blockchain um, applications. But you can also find economists. You can find people that are uh, working in banks, for instance, and that and want to know how blockchain can relate to banks and things like that. Oh boy, I guess that's very timely with some of these bank failures, huh? <laughs> yeah. That yeah, it's true, but of course we're trying to also provide these um I, I think that it's great to have the opportunity to for them to see blockchain and cryptos from another perspective and not the perspective that is made that maybe is the opposite of traditional system and things like that. Okay, so it's more about an integration. Exactly. And um, that that is one reason why I wanted to to bring you on because I know you've not only studied this but uh, you know you've looked at the particular use cases of people who are actually using um, things like Bitcoin uh, throughout Latin America. And uh, you had one article of note that I'll put in the show notes about Argentina, which is a very interesting case. Uh, we know that there it's true that there is a lot of, of Bitcoin that is being used there. There's also a lot of people who are using Tether. Uh, you're using stable coins and perhaps some some other cryptocurrencies. Um, just looking, starting at Argentina, or I guess let's zoom out uh, without talking about Central America because we'll get there. Uh, but looking at South America, what is sort of the general 
Bitcoin landscape uh, for some of these places? Are there places where you have a lot of trade, but the regulations are not there yet, or a lot of people using this, um, perhaps getting money from abroad, or, or how is that mostly working? Well, as you say, basically, Argentina is now the case that probably they are using the most. Uh, you also have the case of Venezuela, of course. However, there has been, there is more difficult uh, to uh, to people access and change uh, cryptocurrencies a bit. Um, there you have also Bolivia. Um, and uh, in Ecuador, Ecuador uh, actually, according to chain analysis, is now the fourth uh, South American country that uses cryptocurrency a lot. So, and well, Brazil. Brazil is also uh, expanding its adoption a lot. And uh, well, the reason it's interesting also to see what are the reasons behind um, this adoption. So in Venezuela and Argentina, for instance, you, you see basically is uh, defying the status quo because the, their monetary systems are weak and they have a lot of inflation and their and their currencies are devaluated. Um, also in Argentina, what happened, and that is why right now Argentina is the king, basically in this sense, is that uh, the government put a lot of regulations uh, to the exchange between the Argentine peso and the dollar. And then a lot of our Argentines just realized that it was better to have their money in the internet. <laughs> so they basically use a lot of bitcoin for exchange, for a uh, transaction sorry uh, around the world and they also usually work remotely to gain in dollars um and then they exchange that not to the dollar not to the peso but to a stable coin just to keep the value of the of their money and then uh, they continue interacting with that um, they are also uh, basically uh, operating with uh, Binance and credit cards and things like that. So they don't even need to um, put the money in the Argentine jurisdiction to avoid, so they can avoid excessive taxes, excessive regulations, some things like that. And well, the, the Brazilian case is also it's like the opposite because it has been uh, an interesting case in which the regulators have been open to fintech technology for about uh, for more than a decade and they started providing some open banking and fintech um, regulations that are basically definitions and just to allow this to happen uh this ecosystem to uh work uh, in parallel to the traditional banking system and things like that and just uh the beginning of this year they they approved uh, the first um crypto law that is for regulating uh, crypto exchange exchanges and also allowing for example bitcoin etfs and uh, there you have, for instance, Newbank, that is a neobank. It is just a completely digital traditional bank. But this year they started also um, offering the crypto exchange platform and um, it is, is uh, quite successful. So there you can also see that simple rules and few rules can also be uh, 
beneficial for the system. I can also talk to you about Ecuador. Ecuador is also a different case because here we use the US dollar. That is the legal tender in Ecuador. And um, uh, we have not lived the inflation scenarios that many other countries are living right now in 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 latin america we are also feeling inflation but in ecuador it has been uh stable but uh, there has been a lot of political instability and that has uh, made people decided not to invest in the country because you don't know what is going to happen next and many people is uh, moving the money outside. What is the problem? That we have a tax for uh, moving the money outside. So it is easier to have the money in cryptos and then do whatever you want. And I guess that that is one of the reasons why uh, here we have increased the adoption in, in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as well. And uh, reading from your, your article, and I, I think these numbers are from last year, but uh, you have the uh, cryptocurrency withdrawals um, by the, the various coins. Uh, Bitcoin at 63% in Argentina. You have Tether at 23. Um, sorry, Ether at 23, Tether at 10, and Solana at 2. I assume that's at 0 by now, which is its real value. But uh, uh, looking at, at some of that, you know, are there some of the stuff that you've picked up on? You know, are there nuances in the debate between using something like Bitcoin and something like, I guess, Ether? Because um, I think everyone fairly knows the the difference between the stable coins and, and Bitcoin. You know, people want to have access to the U.S. dollar. It's a bit hard to get it or the government makes it more difficult in the case of Argentina. Uh, but then you have all these other sort of crypto tokens. And there's an entire ecosystem that exists around Ethereum. And it's been there for a while. And you do have a lot of growth there, particularly with all the NFT stuff and all the various chains that use uh, ERC as well. Uh, you know, do you see any nuance in that kind of debate in some of the Latin American countries? Well, there is first one thing, one factor that, uh, of course, boosts adoption on any cryptocurrency is the accessibility to the currency. And that is something important here in Latin America, where uh, connectivity, Internet infrastructure, and also the the uh, the access to banking is not uh, is not universal. So, in that sense, of course, Bitcoin and and in the second Ethereum, just as just as following global trends, are the most uh, important ones. Because, um, for instance, here in Ecuador, there is just one um, crypto exchange that is uh, registered and regulated, and fees are are high and so you of course probably go to just informal uh people that that exchange that money and that you uh know because someone uh suggested you so you don't like is also this informal part of the of the crypto exchange and in that sense of course you're going to get for instance bet a better uh, fees for exchanging that those cryptos in the ones that are most more used. So, for instance, these people that exchange is going to have more money also uh, to to exchange for you. Um, so that is one reason. I guess that the other reason is also uh because of 
it is it probably is the same because uh, here we, as we don't have these crypto exchanges, we use uh, credit cards for uh, having the money in the crypto exchange or yes, or we use some kind of platform. And for instance, PayPal, PayPal doesn't work here in Ecuador, but PayPal supports some kind of, or Coinbase supports some kind of cryptocurrencies. So that will also be important for uh, users in Latin America to say we use this or this platform. The case of Argentina, for instance, as you say, is one year before. Uh, and I guess that Solana, has this 2% and is present here because some crypto exchange or some um, remote jobs platform supports Solana and makes it easier for Argentines to use Solana. And, in, and if you remember in that moment, Solana was a good alternative when Ether was, uh, was with high, high fees. Uh, so maybe we have to see what is what is going on right now with Solana after so many attacks and everything but uh but it's but it is probably related with with which platform support which cryptocurrencies and of course another reason why a lot of of Latin Americans are using cryptocurrencies and this is something important is remittances because uh, migration continues to be um a driving force for the economy of many countries, and at the same uh, uh, the same way, the remittances come into Latin American countries. Many many people are uh, resorting to cryptocurrencies um, for these remittances, and then of course you have the same. Uh, if you are uh, working in some country with more developed ecosystem of the cryptocurrencies. Uh, like the United States, like some European country, probably you are going to resort to a registered cryptocurrency for the uh, cryptocurrency exchange for doing this for a cryptocurrency wallet that is registered. And then you're going to use these cryptocurrencies that are more common and that you know that your family, that your relative in the other country is going to have the, the chance to exchange them. So I guess that is that. And of course, uh, the tether, uh, tether is. I guess that the preferred uh, stable coin in Latin America, uh, in and in in every country. I have talked with people of many countries, and most of them, I I quite do not I I don't don't trust uh, at all or that much in Tether. But I have seen that a lot of people, a lot uh, in Latin America, use it and use it a lot. So yeah. Yeah, there's the um, the company Strike, uh, which is an American finance company, Bitcoin company. They've sort of made their pitch in that you know this is for uh, people who would like to send remittances, and they have specific you know programs and accounts now in Argentina, and then also with the Philippines. Like I think that was just a announced recently and the idea was was simple if you have family that's back home, they can open up their Strike account and they're able to get. Uh, you know, Bitcoin over Lightning or Bitcoin on chain directly to their phone, and they're able to use it. Um, you know, you you mentioned the article as well a little bit about people working for things like Bitcoin, um, particularly for for Argentinians. Uh, is that something that is that is still happening a lot more? Do you have a lot of people who are working for either foreign companies or or other companies and, and getting paid, and um, if not Bitcoin, then some other type of cryptocurrency? Yes, as, a, as I say, you can see the main example in Argentina. Um, what happens in Argentina, and it's not 
common in all the Latin American countries is that you have a high qualified workforce. Um, the Argentina has a good English level as well, for instance. Um, but right now in Ecuador, I can also tell you that economic opportunities are um, not that good. Probably they are dwindling. And remote jobs have become something important as well. Um, and what you can find these kind of jobs. Of course, after the pandemic, people became also more uh, tolerant to, to remote jobs, to work from home and things like that. And uh, there is also this new wave that you have to learn to, to develop a blockchain code uh, and, and make smart contracts and things like that because there is where uh, what people want uh, to hire. So this is growing. Um, what happens here and probably happens in other countries is that um, for instance, here in Ecuador is different because you have dollars, you use the US dollar. So probably you will prefer to work remotely for uh, in your country or outside your country, but receive it in dollars because at the end, uh, you don't have to exchange. So the fee is not that high. But in other countries, and right now with the devaluation of most most currencies, probably you will prefer that. Another country that is that you can see this phenomenon is Colombia where they are also there is a there is great workforce uh, that that know about uh blockchain and smart contract development in Colombia so this is also becoming a trender Fix the money is brought to you by 21 Bitcoin the easy way to buy sell save and send bitcoin 21 Bitcoin is a bitcoin only app not an exchange there's no distractions there's an individual savings plan very low fees first-class personal support, and a German bank account. Based in the Austrian Alps, it's available now throughout Europe. Download now using the code FIXTHEMONEY to get up to 20% off your fees over there on 21bitcoin.app. Not your keys, not your coins. You need a hardware wallet signing device. Check out the Bitbox O2. Swiss-made, secure, beautiful, open-source, Tor support, Bitcoin only, and an all-around outstanding product. Use the code FIXTHEMONEY on shiftcrypto.ch to get 5% off. That's the Bitbox O2, fix the money. One, one part about the uh, the dollarization, um, there's the, uh, the Pan Am Post, uh, an outlet you might be familiar with. Uh, I wrote an article there in 2014 where I did say that uh, Ecuador and El Salvador should ditch the dollar for Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, at the time, I thought it was a kind of out there idea. You know, we often have these things when we're in the idea space. And, you know, I sort of made the case of, well, you know, they don't control their own money anyway. Uh, you might as well just go to a decentralized network where you're able to, you know, carry value across time and space. And, you know, I... I did not think that it would actually happen in our lifetime. So we have uh, El Salvador now, which has Bitcoin as legal tender. And um, there have been a couple episodes that we've talked about how problematic that has been for some of the international banking elite and many of the laws, particularly in the United States. They've had to change some things because um, basically how it goes down is in some states they say, hey, you can have foreign currencies. You can use some foreign currencies that are legal tender. 
Well, now that Bitcoin is legal tender in El Salvador, they kind of have to change the laws to make sure they don't have some loophole. Uh, but, you know, what is sort of um, what's the attitude now? What's the general outlook on onto the the sort of Bitcoin experiment in El Salvador? And I think I'll, I'll ask that question independent of uh, an assessment on Bukele and, um, you know, his uh, whether or not he he passes liberal muster. Uh, but in terms of adoption of Bitcoin itself, how has that been on the outside, particularly in, in Latin American sort of view? Well, uh, aside from Bukele, I would say that from a libertarian um, perspective, uh, which I'm an advocate for, uh, I would say that it is uh, basically a top-down policy. And probably that is why we are experiencing the problems that uh, happen with uh, Bitcoin adoption in, in El Salvador. For one side, if you see from the the uh, from other countries and from the Bitcoin enthusiast perspective, probably this looks like a great experiment and some kind of Central American paradise uh, with great bridges in which you are going to be able to spend in Bitcoin. But uh, if you um, see the inside part, and uh, if you got to rural areas in El Salvador and ask uh, normal citizens uh, what is going on, that actually there is, there is a lack of, of confidence on Bitcoin and especially on all the net infrastructure network that the government established for it. What is the infrastructure network? First, the, the Chiva wallet um, that people... Even if, even if people don't understand what is Bitcoin, people know about these things and they know that their privacy is in risk with a centralized wallet like Chivo that it was even made with some kind of uh, Venezuelan uh, technical equip uh, support uh, that we don't know which who who they are. So uh, that is the that is the first reason why this has not been. Uh, widely adopted in the country. The second, of course, the uh, the policy and this experiment uh, came in a moment in which the in which the cryptocurrency market was not uh, thriving. So um, the El Salvador uh, wasted more than two hundred million dollars in all the process, and probably what the citizens are uh, looking is that. The well, the the value of this of all these has decreased, and what is going to happen? What is next? We don't know. Probably in some moment, these savings can also increase their value and appreciate because Bitcoin appreciate as well. But at the moment, they only see that this is lower. And uh, well, actually, with a, a colleague that it was my. We did a paper that is about to publish in a behavioral economics books about fintech, uh, no, DeFi, sorry, in Latin America and how this is uh, working around these different countries. And we actually um, made some interviews to Salvadorians. And what I am telling you were basically their answers. Uh, we don't trust in in these policies. We don't trust in the Chiba wallet. Uh, I I created the account in the Chiba wallet to get to get the thirty dollars that they were giving, but then I just exchanged that because the government it provides this easy exchange uh, system, and and then I haven't used anymore this Chiba wallet. So this is something that happens when 
of course now now uh, maybe we have to in include in the in the debate that, that thing about Bukele. Uh, he is uh, not providing um, enough confidence on people, especially on how how uh, in, in those things that the people wants to have control of. And of course, you want to have control on your money. So uh, probably that is why Salvadorians are not using it a lot. And uh, also there is there there is something that that happens uh, in general. And, and and this is quite interesting. In in Ecuador, uh, some years ago, I think it was in 2015 or 14, uh, the government also tried to do like it was it is cataloged in some places like the first TVDC. So uh, they, they tried to do this experiment because the, the government here it doesn't have the chance to manipulate the um, money because we use the US dollar. So they were trying to do this parallel currency where they can play a little bit and um, get advantage of and people didn't use it. Two years later, the the electronic money was was uh was death. So uh, probably you see the same in El in El Salvador. They are they have decided to use Bitcoin like to provide more uh, confidence. And of course, it is also a way in which uh, Bukele can attract foreign investment without uh, ensuring legal certainty and all these kind of things that comes with traditional foreign investment. But he can only go and appeal to Bitcoin investors and Bitcoin enthusiasts and have this cash flow going on. I don't know how this is working. I like how many Bitcoin enthusiasts are actually investing or going to El Salvador. I have heard about some some people, but not a lot. So I don't know what how this part is working. But in if you see the social political part of the of of this thing, the, it is not working actually. Yeah, I, I think overall I would definitely agree with sort of your assessment in that doing it in a top-down way is sort of contrary to what Bitcoin, you know, promised us when it was first re first released and put out there by Satoshi. And to have this tied up in, in sort of the hands of a populist uh, po politician is very interesting. I looked at the last numbers, and again, you never know about uh, public opinion polling and stuff like that. And numbers are usually pretty cooked. Uh, but I think it says like 91% approval rating. Again, I don't know who they're interviewing or who's doing these. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask, because I think amongst uh, the Bitcoiner crowd, I think it's kind of split. You have those that are big enthusiasts, as you say, who say, hey, look at what's happening in El Salvador. We have legal tender. This is great. We've achieved what we want. And there are a lot of people who tie up Bitcoin's fortune to perhaps governments around the world adopting it. And on the other end, there's the sort of skeptical angle of, we don't know much about Bukele. Doesn't seem like this is the most liberal democratic dude ever. Uh, you know, he's not uh, somebody who can quote Mises and Hayek and, you know, <laughs> can do all kinds of stuff about social freedoms. Um, but, you know, he talks a good game. And I know that for a lot of people who've attempted to track just the Bitcoin treasury of El Salvador, uh, it's been very difficult 
and it hasn't really been as audible as, as people thought it would be, even though technically you should be able to see that stuff on chain. They've only been able to track it by him announcing on Twitter that he bought the dip or something like this. <laughs> uh, and I think that's where I would hope that the, the people of El Salvador kind of know that too. And there are some people who are traveling there and investing there. Uh, you have Max Kaiser, you know, this guy apparently got a citizenship and um, I, I see a couple of people who are either on Twitter or Noster or something who are traveling there. And um, there's like a few conferences that people are trying to do. So you have that, but they're normally just going to El Zante uh, mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. sort of Bitcoin beach area. So they're, yeah, you're not seeing, you know, a grand swell of things. Cause I think the, everything that happened with the gangs, uh, I think that still perturbs a lot of people. I mean, um, this particular area, the type of violence that you saw, um, well, to be frank, these days you might have the same in Los Angeles, and more. It's probably worse there now. <laughs> but uh, for the for the law and using it, one thing that I have heard and I've seen a few documentaries is that it's actually very difficult for people to use Bitcoin in El Salvador. There are these isolated communities, El Zante and some others. But if you're in the capital and you know you want to go buy bread at the store, you know most of the time, even though legally i guess they're supposed to you're not really going to find too many people who are going to accept bitcoin yes um well i probably well i'm going to go in order first i guess that one thing that is probably a red flag on all this process is that the policy was debated well the, the law was debated in the congress for three hours and then it what it passed and then three months later, you had all these there. And then uh, Bukele bought, bought Bitcoin for the estate of El Salvador, just using his cell phone. So you see, probably that is fine for everything else. But you also see that the Republican state has its institutions, has its separation of powers, had its counterbalances and things like that. And of course, these are two different com- concepts. And as you said before, uh, the philosophy behind Bitcoin is not that one. And, and we have um, Bitcoin has this sense of giving the money to the people. And of course, uh, something that a lot of cryptocurrency experts say, and I guess that you define in your podcast is take your uh, maintain your money in in uh, cold wallets, so in non custodial wallets. So of course that is another thing in which this is not the best because what actually the uh, gov- the government of El Salvador is promoting is to holding it in the Chiba wallet uh, using the the exchange platform of the government and 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 of course how this incentivizes it is because you are going to have immediate exchange by using it and that you have the crypto ADMs across the country. Actually, there are more than 200 crypto ATMs right now in El Salvador. So probably it could be it could be accessible. What is also the problem that in Latin America and especially in rural areas, cash is the king. So people has not been has not trusted until now, even in debit or credit cards. And then you only say like, yes, the money is going to be somewhere that, you, that without the explanation and everything, but they don't have the paper. And 
in, in, in some zones in Latin America, the paper continues to be very important. We know that the paper is nothing, uh, but but yeah, that is that is what people trust, and there is also there is also this part of the social construction process and the uh, social evolution process that is there, and that is why the top-down policy is 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 an issue there. Um, one thing so, one thing that's interesting that now that you mention about Bukele um, and his his war on the gangs, you know, since it is this sort of centralized, because you have the Chivo wallet, and we've heard of many of the issues and problems, and apparently it's so buggy, it's like impossible mm-hmm. to use. You know, if you have like a, a couple of the gang members there that are using the Chiva wallet to, you know, send and receive Bitcoin from um, either people in the country or outside of the country, you know, is that something that they're tracking? Are they working with chain analysis firms to, you know, look on chain if this uh, potential gang member through the KYC process received X amount? I, I can only assume that perhaps there are abuses there because it is a government system and you know, th- this is what's so interesting is Bitcoin is about separation of money and state. And the scenario in El Salvador is it's kind of fused. And I-, I would hope there would be a lot more sovereign usage, you know, not your keys, not your coin, cold wallets and the like. But I, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd be a bit uh, bit leery of using a-, a Bukele wallet type of system where who knows who's tracking that. Yeah, Um. Maybe it's Bukele, maybe it's the next government. You don't, you don't even know. And uh, the thing is that you are creating a system that is, uh, that is there for a potential uh, um, over, oversight and everything. So, since the Bitcoin perspective, as you, as you have explained right now, it is not what uh, it what we actually um, mean for it. The other thing about you were talking, uh, probably what we can see, because also these uh, monetary policies are long-run policies. And in that sense, probably the Bitcoin idea is not that bad. And probably you're going to see that next generations would be used to saving in Bitcoin, for instance. And that could be beneficial, but that is something that we can see probably 10 years from now. Actually, there is some, that is, I am telling you because that is something real here in Ecuador after dollarization. Uh, the saving, um, the saving rates and the financial health of people, of course, in, improved after having more than 10 years of a healthy uh, currency system. So, or the most healthy that we can have. <laughs> but but yeah, so basically uh, there is probably you can also see those benefits in the long run. Um, and that is something that we just can wait and see what happens and what goes on and how also all the CBDCs world and the stable coins and what is going to happen with cryptocurrency markets uh, in, the, in the next years. And related to gangs, um, there is a lot of debate there. Like, some people say that Bukele just created this policy to favor gangs and negotiate with them. But that is also going into this discourse that Bitcoin is uh, currency for gangs. And we have also seen that so, that transnational crime some, so also prefers cash and also prefers dollars the most. So it's something that maybe, maybe it's true, maybe not, we don't know, uh, but... You can see these uh, in either um, dollars or bitcoins, but something that is real is the fact that Bukele doesn't want to fit 
in the international standards of what is financially politically correct for saying like that. So he doesn't want to uh, follow uh, IFM, IMF standards, for instance, uh, to access a loan there. So he prefers to do this alternative. He doesn't want to be seized by uh, the international system if the United States uh, issue sanctions against El Salvador. Um, and he also doesn't want to be limited, restricted uh, in his politic political actions, uh, thinking on sanctions. So if his system, if the, if the El Salvadorian system is supported by Bitcoin and not by the US dollar, probably citizens are going to suffer less if uh, the US issues sanctions against El Salvador. So I guess that rather than uh, gangs and crime, and crime the best, the, the reason, the most important reason behind why Bukele did this in three hours is because of his, uh, his own benefits. Wow. Yeah, it gives a lot to, to think about. And I, this is um, it's kind of a thing that happens when you're in the policy world, you know, as, as you are as well in research is that, you know, we have, you often have um, common friends and enemies and uh, you, you end up having some bad people on your team. <laughs> <laughs> who you do have power and perhaps are doing things in a way that you wouldn't want, even though you might temporarily agree on, on whatever the goal is, or at least the ideal. Um, focusing more on, on your work, Paz, in, in terms of um, research, and you mentioned teaching this course, um, what are you most excited about um, when it comes to um, Bitcoin technology or some of the other crypto stuff? I mean, you, you talked up Solana a little bit before, you know, I'll, I'll let that go. Uh, I only say that because um, Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, um, they basically owned half of Solana. And, and once FTX went, box, went bust, so did that network. And we've seen it, you know, frozen a couple of times. It's just if you do evaluate blockchains, you know, A to F and uh, Bitcoin's an A, it looks like Solana's an F. I don't know. But, but what, are you, uh, what, are you, what are you kind of working on and uh, teaching people about in your work? Well, um, as I was telling you before the interview, I first I quite uh, I, I value the most uh, Bitcoin because I guess that for money, like it was designed for money. So of course it has a simple script. Uh, it is a one purpose blockchain and it focuses on security a lot and for and for and using it for financial transactions and for for savings and everything. I guess it's the best option. Um, well, but in my, in my, uh, what, what I am doing right now is most is studying, analyzing and teaching more about the blockchain technology, um, and how, of course, how these, all these evolves, that is something that changes, uh, every day. So you, is something that you have to uh, keep studying and everything, but, um, what, what I basically teach is how this technology uh, can be applied to different industries. Um, in the course, we provide um, a variety of different of different industries, but of course, I have some interest in in one more than another. Something that that really interested me is how DeFi, because DeFi is all this decentralized system in which you don't have someone to control, and it can become difficult uh, to apply DeFi for financial inclusion because you are you are 
talking about a vulnerable population that if that if so the the project is not good and 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 defaults, uh, this vulnerable population is going to lose their, their money. But I guess that is not impossible. So I have been uh, analyzing and studying the things there. One thing that I like a lot of DeFi, and um, in of course DeFi, even there are some smart contracts and some things that you can do with Bitcoin. The best option to do more things is Ethereum, and um, and I believe that in that sense. But what it is, what, what it allows is this composability. So what what is right now known as the DeFi the money Legos or, or the DeFi Legos, that basically is use these smart contracts and these uh, programs that already work to create some other things. I think that this is very disruptive in a lot of ways because first, creators have a lot less barriers of entry. Um, you are building on the uh, on the things that others are building and maybe you can use what already works what is already uh, proven with our with um auditability uh, code code auditions and things like that to uh make something that works well for deeper and deeper and different uh populations, sectors, targets, etc. So that is why I am actually uh, analyzing the most how these, how these, uh, how we can use composability and all these DeFi programs to create something that could work for uh, financial inclusion. I guess that financial inclusion, like, I'm sorry, that decentralized finance can be like the leapfrog for these uh, unbanked population as the uh, mobile has been uh, in many rural areas where that were that has not uh, line phones before, or as 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 Mpesa, for instance, uh, was in Africa. Um, so I think that there is some opportunity there, and I have been studying that. In addition to that, um, well, I guess that other thing that it's important for me is how uh, we can apply blockchain in GovTech. And uh, and of course, how governments or officials and policymakers are trying to uh, integrate blockchain uh, because of uh, as just as Bukele does, um, plenty of these regulators and authorities just use the words Bitcoin, blockchain, and everything as populism. They don't even know what is going on and. Uh, Probably there you can also waste a lot of money if you don't know. And if you are using taxpayers' money, I guess that it is better uh, to make decisions knowing it. <laughs> like in private business, you can fail and then repair whatever. But when you work with taxpayers' money now, so my idea is also to provide uh, more support and guidance in the sense of what is better when it comes uh, about um, using technology and especially blockchain technology in the policy sector. All right. Well, I, I hope we can uh, convince you, Paz, well, a, a bit more with uh, the utility of Bitcoin for that. Um, here's a deal. Here's a deal I'll make you. Um, people who are listening to this on um, Value for Value Podcasting 2.0 apps... These are special apps that you can download in your normal app store on your phone, Android or Apple. Uh, examples are Fountain, Breeze, Castomatic, Podverse. Uh, people can stream Bitcoin directly to the program. 
and they can send Bitcoin uh, Satoshis directly to the program as well. So we do get messages from people. We do get streaming sats. Uh, it's a, it's an entire new ecosystem and open standard. Um, I will send you half of whatever we receive for this episode. So any of the Satoshis that are streamed, uh, any of the Satoshis that are boosted along with messages, I will send to you uh, and love to, to follow up on, on how that is working. Because I think with our program from the beginning, we've done that. And um, I know Nico, uh, podcast partner uh, on his German language one, uh, it's actually been pretty successful. And you can make um, pretty much a living uh, doing that right now. I, I know that there are all kinds of different proposals out there, but um, hold me to it. I'll send you 50% of whatever uh, Satoshis uh, that, we, that we received today for this episode. How about that? Awesome. That sounds pretty good. And as I say, of course, I'm a Bitcoin user. Actually, uh, as I, I guess that first, thanks so much for having me here in the program. I would like to say that I, I think very fortunate of being in this program that has had so many listeners in so a few times. But uh, also, if you if you have seen like like my Bitcoin transactions and where you have more where or crypto transactions and where I have more, of course it's Bitcoin and I believe in Bitcoin. And I guess that also there is some pretty interesting developments in the last couple of years uh, to make also Bitcoin the um, the basis of the cornerstone of some other applications. And this has been, uh, of course, um, something that has been able to do it with these um how do you say these over these uh, additional layers and things like that in and i guess yeah, like that light, we cannot... lightning is uh the podcasting mm -hmm, exactly. 2.0 stuff is all over exactly. lightning and you know there are side there chains are we're talking about but, uh... and i guess that that is that is something that we have con to continue looking for because you can take the advantage of the developments of the blockchain technology but have the um the backing of the security and all these things that Bitcoin has. So uh, we hope that also that can develop in the future. And I guess that there is a lot of developers doing that work. Yeah, I hope so. I, I hope we can we can do that a lot more. It's an open, so, uh, open source system. So there's a lot of strange incentives that us normally as free market capitalists aren't used to. But yeah, <laughs> it's true. something that, that does work very well. So Paz, I'll, I'll link to, um, you know, all of your, all your social links and anything else, any uh, sort of closing thoughts uh, to the audience uh, before I let you go? Well, uh, I already thank you for being in the program. And I would say that um, this, this is a important, mo important moment uh, for cryptocurrency because uh, we have had a moment of, uh, a bearish, a bearish market, and everything. Now it is, it is becoming bullish again with the with Bitcoin uh, reaching the twenty four thousand. But uh, we are also looking that that tra the traditional system is not going that well with these uh, recent uh, bankruptcies and everything. And um, I guess that. It is a moment that probably is has not been similar in the history of Bitcoin before, and uh, and I say Bitcoin because it's the oldest one. So uh, I guess that 
it is something that could uh, boost adoption all around the world. And I guess that in Latin America, it would be very, very important. Inflation continues to be here and uh, devaluation continues to be in a lot of countries as well. And that is why I guess that there are so many opportunities also with uh, international uh, trade um, also expanding again after the pandemic and everything. And maybe we can see also a lot, a lot of uh, more um, transactions there. So yeah, probably saying that there is, I guess that the next uh, months and years to come would be also beneficial in that sense. Well, it's great to have you on our side, Paz. Thanks so much for taking the time. And I uh, hope we can catch up with you here in a few months and uh, find out how your research is going and uh, see if uh, Latin America is, at last, going to the moon. Thank you for having me. For more interviews, articles, and content like this, visit fixthemoney.net.